We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 334. Memorial Day, everybody. Hope you're enjoying your holiday. Yankees are playing a day baseball game today. Scott, I don't know about you. I'm sunburned. I went into summer a little bit too eager. Went out and played a round of golf with my dad yesterday, and I was like, sunscreen. <laughs> Screw sunscreen. Who needs that? Didn't. This is such I a lost. rookie move. He's Sun one, for- Andrew zero. You know, when you became a 30-year-old, you're supposed to all of a sudden be an adult and actually know that sunscreen's a real, a real thing that you need to get older. You should, uh, you should, you should know what happens these days. You, you know? know what the problem is? Leanne is away this weekend. So you're worthless. <laughs> so I, those kind of things are just over my head. Although my mom's here. She should be helping out. I don't know. Yeah, where was she? Where was mom? I was sunscreen? Been... She yelled at you afterwards. She definitely gave you a lecture. And you know what's the worst is? I don't know if you've ever had this. The top of my foot got sunburned. It wasn't from golfing. I was wearing golf shoes. But then we went to, uh, I was just, we were just outside on the deck, and I was wearing sandals, and I just got a wicked sunburn on the top of my foot. You Those can't say wicked hurt. just because you're in Rhode Island. Let's, uh, let's slow down on the wicked, all right? Anyway, have you ever had no, a sunburn so what on the top I, of your foot? They're so, not fun. So what I do, what I do is I, I, the first time, when I put sunscreen on the first, like the first application, I make sure that I hit all the areas that I hate being burned. So the top of my legs, like my knees, I hate that. It's the mm-hmm. worst. 
because that's you know where the um, the shorts hit the next day. Can't stand that. Uh, my neck, neck can't yeah. stand that. My and then uh, and then the top of my feet because I cannot stand having my feet burned. So yeah, you're, no. So I don't get burned there because I don't like that those spots. So I make sure I do them first. You're a self-proclaimed medical expert, as you talk out of your ass on this podcast many, many times about. I've had so many. I've had many people reach out and agree with me. Various so, Yankees injuries. Think, Is it possible to get a yeah. cold, like a like a head cold, from being mm-hmm. sunburned? Because I think that happened to me. I think your body is probably just um, having a, a struggle right now and sh- down. potentially shutting down. And the, <laughs> s- the, the cold is just the first sign of that. Yeah. So, you know, with my expertise, uh, I think you probably just need some water and sleep. That's probably true. Yeah. I, thought, I don't I even think-, think you need an IL visit. I think you're just going to be fine the next day. Some fluids and a little bit of, uh, so a little bit of sleep. Maybe some aloe. Tell you what, I have applied Ella. Tell you what, I have a new appreciation for Jacoby Ellsbury. That man's been through a lot. I know the body breaks down after 30. It's tough. No, I have zero. I have nothing. <laughs> I got nothing for him. Nothing for him. Because his, his body's Ellsbury. not breaking down. That's that's the, the whole joke he's about this entire thing. Yeah. No, he's fine. He's fly fishing in freaking Seattle or wherever the hell he is in the backwoods of Washington right now. He's he's not even injured. They just they just realized that he's terrible at baseball. Insurance. So all these injuries are coming up. They're like, yeah, insurance is going to cover this. He's no longer our problem. And I, I don't, I'm even sorry I brought up Jacoby Ellsbury. I vow never to do that again, at least for the next few episodes. Uh, we've got uh, Yanks are heading home. They're going to play the Padres in that four-game series against the Red Sox, which came up kind of fast. We were talking about it for a while that the Yankees had really no days off in May, and here they are at the end of the month, and they're about to uh, start that home setting against the Red Sox, and it's really – Thursday it kicks off, and then we have our event on Friday. All the tickets have been uh, purchased. People have purchased all their tickets. They will be getting all of that information in their emails this week. Yeah, so everybody's getting them this week. Uh, if you're not clear, if you haven't been to an event, all of the tickets get transferred uh, week of, and then the QR code shows up 48 hours before the game. Um, t-shirts are on the way. They should be showing up in, in mailboxes soon. Um and yeah, I'm excited for it. Look for an email from me. You'll you'll probably get one tonight. Uh, this is Monday, so you'll probably get one on Monday, uh, most likely, and have all the details in there. So I'll, I'll if if you've emailed me over the past day or two with a question about the event, um, you can just pretty much expect an answer in the in the big email rather than me individ- e- emailing every single person back with the same answer. So yeah. I'll just uh, cover everything in that. And then if you're not going to be able to make it to the May 31st event, check out the June 22nd event against Houston. Those tickets are on sale now, and that event is coming up fast. So get those tickets for June 22nd or July 6th and at Tampa or, Bay. And. and July 6th at Tampa Bay. If you're in Tampa, if you're in Florida, if you're in anywhere in the south, or hell, if you're in the northeast and you want to take a trip down for 4th of July weekend to the Trop, watch the Yankees beat the snot out of the Tampa Bay Rays, check out that as well. 69 bucks for that event. Really, really good seats. Same sort of deal we do in the Bronx. Pre-game party, t-shirt, the whole deal. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, Tuesday. We have a special episode on Tuesday. So uh, Robert Flores, Roflo from MLB Network. He hosts the MLB Central Morning Show. I spoke with him um, over the weekend, and they are doing – their morning show is hosting – their show Wednesday morning live from Yankee Stadium. They're sort of doing an around-the-league tour where they take their show on the road to various stadiums. Next stop is Yankee Stadium. So I'm sure you guys have seen that show on MLB Network, but if not, check it out. It was a really fun 
uh, discussion with him. We talked about pretty much all around the league, less about specifically Yankees and more about baseball in general and sort of the uh, what the league is facing today with some of the rule changes, some of the quote-unquote challenges that the game is facing with getting young fans engaged and all that kind of stuff. And um, he is an Astros fan, so I gave him a hard time about about some of the Astros things. And I asked him a really challenging question. <clears throat> Um, about, about the Houston Astros? About the Houston Astros, about Biggio and Bagwell. I, I put him on the hot seat, so look forward for that on Tuesday. Yeah, no, Flores is a good dude. Um, I I think he's uh, – I know he used to fill in on uh, Baseball Tonight on e- when he was with ESPN, and then mm-hmm. he's been doing this show on MLB Network. So, um, yeah, I mean, you got to talk to him o- over the weekend, so I'm looking forward to hearing that as well. Good stuff. So the Yankees f- had a really good road trip. I think the way it ended on Sunday with the the loss in extra innings definitely, you know, kind of puts a sour mood on the whole road trip. But when you look at it, six and one on the road trip. It, it I mean, a, it, it's it's not a sour mood. They, they no, had I mean, a hell of a road trip. And, it was and a hell was of a road trip. It was an unbelievable comeback that was that was uh, cut right. short by a horrible bounce to our best defender on the team. What the hell are you going to do about that? So right, there's really no sour taste about this. This was a hell oh. of a road trip. It's just a tough way to lose a game is what I'm trying to say. But I, yeah. what I'm saying is don't let that cloud the fact that they were 6-1 and one on this road trip. They swept. They finished the sweep in Baltimore like they should. <laughs> like like we talked about, like you should against a crappy team. Oh, so now, they, you're on board. now you're on board. Now, I've always like been on should, board. Like I just don't, don't want uh, jinx to the, jinx the team like we've done a thousand times in the past. They get rained out on Friday, and they go into a doubleheader on Saturday, and they sweep the thing. So, four zero in doubleheaders this year. Last year, not so hot in doubleheaders. I think we've noticed a few differences. I was talking about this today with my dad. A couple differences in this team versus last year. Last year, they struggled in doubleheaders, even against bad teams. So far this year, they're four zero, two sweeps. Last year, in a game like today, they just go down. They just die. They lay, they roll over and die. Probably lose seven to two or something like that. Not today. They came back. So. <clears throat> I you kind of felt them. You kind of felt that they were going to come back too, just because they've done it every single. It seems like every game. I, I'm yeah. Kind of joking on Twitter, like uh, I think sometimes the Yankees just go down so they can practice this comeback, <laughs> because you know just it's they, like they uh, want to challenge themselves. Yeah, Domingo Hermano was just throwing some meatballs in there to to get the offense, you know, a little bit of a uh, little bit of game time situation play for for later in the season when it you know when the when the games actually count. But don't you think things like like there are stark differences between the 18 team and the 19 team, and that's one of them. I mean, there's huge differences, and I think the the reason why these differences are playing out is because obviously the personnel is extremely different. And right now, what you have is you have a lot of these guys who are playing for a job, essentially. Whether it's a starting job in one of the you know outfield spots if someone doesn't come back fully healthy, or you know Urshela when when he was uh, essentially playing for his job at third base when when the uh, Andujar injury was unknown, or you have. Um, you know, guys fighting for a utility job. Uh, you know, Voight can't let his guard down at first. I just think these there's a lot of, you know, they have to put that a level of of importance on every single game, every single at bat, all of these, uh, all of these different games. These guys have something to prove. Each one of them has, you know, a, there's not a strong foothold in what they're going to be doing. I mean, even look at what, what Glaber Torres is doing. I mean, he's on an absolute tear. And he's playing shortstop every day. But what happens when Didi's back in two week, three weeks? Um, you know, and he slides over to second base. It's just there's unknown things that are going to happen. You know, so you have to play your ass off so that you're you know part of the equation. I mean, obviously Glaber Torres is going to be part of the equation, but there are guys that you know may not be. Estrada is a perfect example. I'm like that guy is playing his ass off and making it difficult for him to go away. 
Mabin, same thing. Yeah, Mabin, Mabin had a really good weekend. I think they're, the team is feeding off one another, and they believe they can come back even without the... Because no one would lo- logically look at the roster last year and the roster this year and say, oh, last year's team can't come back. They should be able to come back in any game. They've got so much power up and down the lineup. All you have to do is get a couple guys on base, and then, it's, and then one swing can change the game. But it didn't seem to happen last year, or it only seemed to happen in that way. Whereas this year, it's seeming to happen in multiple ways, where, yes, Glaber hit a three-run home run today to initiate the comeback, but they also had rallies over the weekend where there wasn't a home run to be seen. There was one home, there was one, um, I wrote it down, the, the rally in game two on Saturday, se- second inning five-run rally went like this, single, walk, single, single, double, single, hit by pitch. <laughs> and then it ended, unfortunately, with a double play by Glaber, but where's the home run in there? No home run in there, it's a five-run rally. No, I mean it, it doesn't feel when you when you think about how they're how they're doing all these things. You, you're you're seeing um, a lot of hits put together. I mean that was one of the big that was one of the big flaws of last year's team was they were not able to hit in big situations. The runners in scoring position was a problem. It's been a problem for the past two to three years. This year, not so much a problem. I mean they're they're hitting well. Clint Frazier is you know one of the um, one of the leaders in runners in scoring position. You got Lemayhu who's on, on fire when there's runners on. You got uh, Ursula on fire when there's runners on. But you still have the long ball. I'm trying to find the tweet that someone uh, that tweeted me over the weekend or today. Uh, that the Yankees, I, I didn't see the the home run total until this. This is uh, from, he's the the architect on Twitter, Yankees Jets fan one. So he was he said to me that this year's team has hit 81 games. I'm sorry, 81 home runs after 51 games last year. 84 home runs after 51 games. <laughs> Would you have guessed that? Because I wouldn't have. No. I would have guessed it. You know, maybe not significantly lower, but certainly lower than. Um, you know, then three off that pace because one of the biggest differences that we're that's happening currently is that they're also getting the hit with runners in scoring position. So it's not just the long ball that's saving them. Whereas last year, those 84 home runs, you know, that was saving their ass in a lot of situations and really not much, not much else was happening when the guys were, um, you know, in position to score. Well, for those home run totals, we can thank the Orioles pitching. I mean, it's absolutely true. (laughs) We can thank Glaber Torres for, Going on absolute you Gary know, Sanchez. unbelievable streaks, yeah, and Sanchez and Voight. So it was funny back in that Thursday game, the final game of the the Baltimore series. It Bundy was shutting him down, and then in the fifth inning, Frazier gets him on the board with the home run, and he had been really struggling. <clears throat> yeah. So it's another guy who's been who was snapped out of his funk thanks to the crappy Baltimore pitching. And the Yankees ended up um, taking the lead in that game, and then there was a, a meltdown. Holder was used for a second inning, forgot how to pitch, a couple walks, gives up a single, and then Canely comes in and gives up a three-run bomb. And you're, and you're like, oh, are the Orioles going to take this game? Are they going to just steal this game, last game in the series? The Yankees going to sort of walk out of Baltimore asleep? But no, no, the Orioles gifted it right back to you. Here it is, Yankees on a silver platter. Let us walk in a run with the bases loaded. Thank you very much. I mean, it was a good at bat by by Aaron Hicks, but, but it's yeah. classic Baltimore Orioles. I mean, Absolutely come on. classic. How confident can you be? Have some was, pride in yourselves. It was perfect. I mean, I I, I didn't really even want to get the hit to, to end it. I kind of wanted it to be a wild pitch or, on a, or something like that. Yeah, because they deserved it. You know, like when you go uh, when you go two and seventeen against the team, you deserve it. You deserve <laughs> losses like that. So um. that is still thank thankfully. 
thankfully, because I really thought I was in trouble. When I first of all, when I saw all those kids there in the pregame and they were all loud and it was like weather day or whatever the hell they were doing there, they're basically trying to brainwash these kids into being Orioles fans. They had like ten thousand kids there at the stadium. Mm-hmm. I'm like, damn, that's that's a bad omen. They were there like two hours before the game, cheering, getting loud. I was like, there's actually people in the stands Hopped up now. On counting candy. Yeah, yeah. So I had a I had a bad feeling going into that game. Like maybe this is the one that we that we potentially lose. And I'm like, no, what am I what am I thinking? Well, it's also a game that you're looking how is Tanaka going to do after that shin injury? And yeah, I don't even want to call unknown. it an injury because he he didn't miss a start, but I, I think it was a question if he had gone out there and struggled and they could have blamed it on his shin and I I think most people would have been like, "Okay, that's understandable." Or could have said, "Why is he starting? Then why didn't right. we just give him some more rest?" Cuz right. there's nobody else. <laughs> Yeah, There's no. nobody else to so pitch. It's becoming so thin. Um, yeah, we're it really is becoming thin. The rotation and, and what they're going to do over the next week or two before they get some more guys back. But I really thought a big moment in that game on Thursday was Tanaka in the second inning loaded the bases and only gave up one run. I think yep. it could have really gotten out of hand for him. Not just the, the game itself, but for him as in his start could have gotten really out of hand there. No, absolutely. He stopped the bleeding uh, in that particular case. And when you, come, uh, when you blow the bases and you're playing the Orioles... And only want to come across. That's I mean that's a huge win because you know your team's going to score runs, even though Bundy was shutting down the Yankees pretty much um, through through what, into five? the fifth inning. Yeah, into the, into fifth the fifth inning, he was shutting them down. So that's a they, they, see they've got some potential talent. They've got guys that that they always said were going to be good. For Bundy's one of them. We've been waiting and How long waiting have been hearing and about waiting. Bundy? I feel, like, I feel like Bundy's been around for a long time. Five six years at this point. Yeah, it's been a while. And I, I remember hearing about him when he was in, in uh, Norfolk AAA. Like, the guy's been around. Yeah. Zero. There's just the only, the only pitcher that has really worked out that has come up with the Orioles. Um, I, I just, Jake Arrieta, who got good but when he But he wasn't left. good with that. No, he, he, got, he, he got dominant the year he left. Who was the lefty they traded to Seattle? And he was solid for them too. He was like sort of like a crafty lefty. Yeah, I can see his face. Begins with um, a B or an e, e, Eric something. Yeah, Eric, Eric Bedard. Yep, Is it Bedard. Eric yeah, Bedard. Eric Bedard. He I was, think he, he was, was traded. Solid. I think he was traded for Adam Jones. Well, okay, I mean that's Maybe, a good. That's know. a good. It's a pretty solid trade. If that was right, if I'm even remotely <laughs> close to fact. being right, that's a fact in my mind. <laughs> um, and, and Britain, I guess. He came up as a starter. Yeah, hey, I'm not bad. talking about relief pitchers, but yeah. There just haven't been very many good starting pitchers at Baltimore for a long time. Mike Messina. Yeah, that, maybe that's the last one. Hap looked a lot better in the first game on Saturday. He struck out 10 guys, and he was really back to the old Jay Hap through five innings. He made a big mistake to Merrifield. He, he just missed a location. It was a three-run home run to tie the game. But 10 strikeouts, he was using his fastball a lot. So kind of looking at it, okay, how is Hap going to – the whole – we spent like 10 minutes on the last episode talking about how is Hap going to evolve as a pitcher? How is he going to change something up because clearly this isn't working? Well, he didn't really change anything up. It just that, kept doing what he's doing, and it that's worked. That's pretty much – I mean, that was that was my conclusion at the end of it. It's just, you can't reinvent yourself in the middle of a season like this as a guy who doesn't have diminished stuff. Like we, we were talking about how – um, you brought up CC or you know Pettit. Well, well, they had diminished stuff. Their fastball velocity was down. They couldn't do the same things they did early in their career, and they had to, you know, come up with a different pitch to be able to get guys out. Hap's not that. That's not what's happening right now. His fastball still has velocity on it. The you know the velocity that he's had, pretty much the majority of his career. 
but he just hasn't been throwing strikes. And and when you're not working with uh, your number one pitch and it's going over the plate, then you have problems, especially if it's a fastball. So uh, he just threw the he was throwing he was mixing the two seam in. You know maybe it was a little bit more frequently, uh, but he was spotting that that four seam fastball. And if he's spotting the four seam fastball, you know he's gonna be he's gonna be rel- he's gonna be effective. So. I don't I know if there was any kind of a mechanical change or just a some kind of an, a mental approach and the way that they attacked or a pace or something like that. Like to me, it's probably something very small and and you know relatively insignificant to most people when they're thinking or uh, or seeing him. Well, at what point do we start to say, well, maybe he just can't pitch against Baltimore for some reason? I I I, I refuse to to. I know it make doesn't that make any logical sense. a logical reason. I know, but you you take out his Baltimore starts and he's got an ERA like three point eight, so that's more like the J Hap that the Yankees signed up for, right? Solid six innings, and then it's being skewed by the fact that he's been absolutely dreadful in four Baltimore starts. I think that there is a coincidence level that he struggled as much as he has against Baltimore. Again, the thing is, before the the um, the reason. The reason I, I first went with, and I, I still think this is a very big reason, is when you're a fastball pitcher and that's your number one effective pitch and you're not able to locate that, any major league team who sees you multiple times is going to have more success off of you because you can't throw your fastball, which is your dominant pitch, for a strike consistently. That's a problem. So all they're doing is looking for a specific zone and that, that ball to leak over the plate and and they're crushing it. So. I think that that plays a lot into what it was. I don't think it mattered what team it was. I think it would have been any team. Could have been much worse if it was another team, if it was a team that had better talent. But the fact is, is they, they they faced him a bunch of times, and he's a fastball guy. wasn't able to throw his fastball for strikes. That's a problem. Yeah, yeah. I I, I guess that's what you have to say because like like we, like we just said it logically. There's no reason why he would just struggle against Baltimore. So. There's there's no reason. That's that's absolutely a coincidence. And or because of the repetition, the amount of times they've seen him. There's a lot of, uh, of four times already. And it was four times, two a times lot of in the first on, week. On a bad fastball. Yeah. Uh, and another thing I love about this team is the Yankees give up the lead. And then immediately in the next inning, they come right back and take the game. Voight, 470 foot bomb. <sighs> that thing was a shot. I was listening to Sterling during the call. And you know how he gets... He get you can tell when it's a real shot. It is high. It is far. He gets a little extra pep in his step. But then yeah. when he sees where the ball lands, yeah, he goes nuts. He goes nuts, and <laughs> Susan gives out a little like, uh, oh, oh, oh. yeah, it's, just, it's like just like it's like an audible. Noise. It's an audible moan. It's like oh, <laughs> it's a groan. <laughs> it's a groan. It's a grown woman groan, and uh, it was great. It was great to hear. And yeah, then I watched no, they, the they both have like a they both have like a chuckle or like a laugh over it, and the laugh is just like a sounds like a. A month, like a oh, I don't even know what the sound is, but it's, it's, uh, it's not. You can't human. replicate the sound, but you know it when you hear it. Yeah, it's it's a it's a very very distinct sound. <laughs> it's the Susan sound. It's the one and only Susan Walvin sound. Are we done with the Chad Green opener yet? Uh, it's twice. I'm in a row. just done with the opener situation. Totally. Uh, I mean, general, maybe next time we're gonna have another. An, Chris well, H- or uh, David Hale might be pitching tomorrow, right? I think that's. Last last I was looking, uh, you know what these guys were talking about that that he's probably going to go tomorrow. They still so. haven't announced anybody, right? At, at, since we've since we started recording, they have not announced anybody. But but yeah, it's I mean they're they're dealing with so many of these injuries now that they're going to be p- piecing things together. And that's we've okay. Seen, we've seen Chance Adams now go. Like you, you, I don't know if we were talking about this before we started recording or when, or in the beginning of the show, but um, Chance Adams very well might have earned a spot, whether it's 
you know, staying on the team or being brought up at the team uh, as a long relief guy or coming back up for a, uh, a spot start. That's what I want to talk about because he gave him four innings, three runs, but I think Gardner definitely should have ca caught that ball in center field. That's a ball Gardner catches 99 out of 100 times. He just lost it. And that's a run right there. I don't know how that's not an error, frankly, but they gave him they gave him a double. Because it's not an error. It's, you can't, they can't make it an error. It's just, it's just one of those things. It went off his glove. The, uh, oh, I'm thinking of the other one that he lost because he, he, he had two plays. Yeah, no, you're, my bad. That should have been an error. There's no yeah, doubt. The one it that wasn't, clanked it off wasn't his named glove. an error. It wasn't uh, called an error. I, n no, because all of Adam's runs were earned. Yeah. No, that makes no sense. Maybe just because the distance he ran, but no, he definitely catches that ball. I mean, it could also be a home a home scoring situation where the home score is just generous to the home team. No, there because there were two situations with Gardner, and the second one was he just lost the ball in the sky. <laughs> The ball went up, and he, yeah, no, and I'm not talking about that one. Didn't know where it was, and and then it's the uh, run scoring plays for him, where Gardner with the ball, and then Frazier on the ball in the corner, yeah. which that's a tough play. It's certainly a tough play, but he looks kind of lost in right field. And there was another error today where he was running over towards the foul line, and the ball just went off of his glove. He seems very hesitant running towards the right field corner and the wall. Well, I think I think a lot of it does have to play with um, the fact that the Kansas City Stadium, whatever the hell it's called now. David Cohen called it like five things on the broadcast the other day: Kauffman Stadium, Royals Stadium at Kauffman Field, whatever the hell it's called. But they, it's a big outfield, and it's got a lot of distance to to you know to um, to cover both left, right, center. It's just a big outfield. So Frazier definitely looked uncomfortable. Definitely looked like on that ball going back to the wall in the right corner. You could tell that he didn't know where the wall was, and he was feeling for it. Whereas he could have. You know, run to the run to the ball seven or eight feet from the wall. So. Yeah, he was he was a, he was a good good amount away. He so he had room to make the play. He just again was not aware of the uh, of the field, the surroundings. But we saw it at Yankee Stadium too, going into the corner and towards yeah. right center field wall. You know, maybe maybe some of it is a little bit of hesitancy with him and and the uh, the head injury that he. But doesn't he also want to doesn't take a big look spill. as good in right field as he does in left. Not that he's a tremendous left fielder, but he he does look a lot more instinctual in left field than he does in right field. I mean, I think he's looked pretty bad everywhere so far this year. He just has not. He doesn't look like he has instincts for the outfield right now. He's got to. Well, I mean, and the other thing is the communication because there was another play today. Yes, where he in. was going out and um, uh, Lemayhu was playing second, and it was there was a miscommunication. And Frazier should have caught the ball. Should have been his ball the whole way. Should have just called it and, and run to the ball because it's your ball. And uh, and and he didn't. And then he you know made a little diving catch thing at the end and, and caught it. Thankfully, but um, but it was it was just one of those situations where you know the communication wasn't there. He should have taken control of that situation, and he didn't. Um, Why do you? And think then and then the next play, I think it was the next player, the next inning. I think it was in the same inning actually. Lemayhew's like halfway to center field, <laughs> just like I got this, like screaming, like Clint back, Clint, I got it, I got it, <laughs> and then catches the ball. So. Why do you think they're playing Frazier and Wright a lot, and maybe in left field, in, at least over the weekend? Yeah, I don't know. I, I think uh, I think they're trying to get Clint more outfield experience. I think in in the different spots because it's going to be if he can only play left field, then it's going to be harder. Yeah. To keep him on the team, not when you look at what he's doing on the at the plate with his bat, it's it's near impossible to get rid of him, um, but to send him down, in my opinion. Well, but, it depends. If you got a full outfield healthy, do you want Frazier as the backup outfielder, or do you want Mabin? Because what are you looking for then out of a a fourth? Really, in that case, it would be a 
fourth and a half outfielder because if you have Stanton, Judge, Hicks, and Gardner all healthy, yes, there's a DH in there, but Gardner is really the next outfielder up. I mean, he would be a four. I mean, we had we've had Hicks went last even last year with when we've had a, a rotation of five guys and they all play. So I, I mean, I, I think that there's plenty of. I, I think that there's room. For um, I have to look at what the ro- it's so right now like there are yeah, so the many people coming so back jumbled in my and head. knowing what is there now and like who the twenty fifth man is today and not not tomorrow but there's going to be a um, you know coming up to the trade uh, I'm sorry the the All Star break right before it most likely there's going to be a lot of decisions if if everybody does come back because it seems like they're all kind of circling around this um, All Star break like end of June is when we're looking at a lot of these guys uh, potentially coming back or maybe just after the All Star break. But yeah, there's it's going to be uh, it's going to be interesting to see how they jump how they how they mix and match and if they keep another bullpen guy or if they're you know they're taking another um, utility uh, fielder someone who could play the I mean Estrada now can play we, he's played the outfield in the past can he play it as well or better than Frazier? Well, that's the thing. I think you're right that they're trying to get Frazier more experience and testing him in different spots to see what they can get out of him. Yeah, he hasn't looked good, but he is hitting pretty well, but so is Mabin. And I would never say, oh, you have to keep Cameron Mabin over Clint Frazier. But they need to decide at a certain point, what does this roster need? And is Clint Frazier, who's shaky in the outfield, helping them off the bench in that situation? I don't know if he is. I mean, I think I think his bat, because again, if, you have, if you're a fourth outfielder, you're going to play almost every day. You're going to play a lot, because especially when, when Judge does come back, uh, Stanton does does come back. Like these guys are going to be playing, they're going to be rotating through the DH spot. That that's happening. I think and, Judge is such a long way away, though. So I, I think it's a moot point. Oh, I don't think Judge is. I think Judge is a lot. Clo- I, from listening to what they were saying today, it sounded like he was uh, actually closer than I was expecting. To tell you the truth, he was throwing a lot today, uh, throwing from further distance. And in when they go home, uh, apparently he's going to be you know hitting off of a tee and start swinging a bat. So when he was talking with uh, with Meredith today. They they sat down and had a little one on one. He would, sounded pretty confident to tell you the truth. Like I'm just kind of reading the, the language and, and what he's saying. It sounds like he's gonna be swinging like next week or this this coming week. And we'll all see how it goes. If it goes well, then yeah, That's it. maybe you're right. Maybe it's end of June. But I still think they're not gonna rush him. And I think it's gonna be they're not like- gonna rush him. But but the thing is, if he does not, if that oblique is not hurting, and from what he was saying, it it doesn't, um, and he can swing without any pain and, and, and feel it in any way, then I think they're just going to get this rehab going. You have 20 days and we'll see, see what happens. Yeah. So I, and, I don't think we're that far off. And with Didi, the, on the other hand, he's back tomorrow. He, might not, back. E- he might not even take the full rehab. Do you see that? The, with, um, with, for Scranton. Yeah. He's getting pushed it, up to Scranton at some point. Right. But they, they he might not even need the f- take the full, t- full rehab. No. It might not take him the full time. No, it won't take him the full time. He's Didi Gregorius. He's a right. fucking but, knight. <laughs> uh, rotation, like we were talking about. So CeCe's having his knee drained. He's going to miss at least one start. Could be more. Paxton, three weeks max. Remember three weeks max? Do you know what the date was on three weeks max? May 25th. We're recording. It's May 26th. So the, now as you are listening to this, it's May 27th. What happened to three weeks max, Scott? We shit on that three, three weeks max as soon as they said it. Yep. As soon as they said it, I'm like, why are you doing that? We, this is a guy that has injury history, 
doesn't heal well. He has no DD Gregorius in the healing in the healing part, or much less anything else in life. Who knows? I mean, who the hell well, is? Well, it might but. not be that far away, but I think the three weeks max just was a stupid statement. Why? I don't know. And we said it at the time. So he, right now they're without Sabathia and without Paxton, which is why I think you could see Chance Adams getting a start or more time with an opener situation if they do another opener i don't want to see chad green open again they've tried it twice let's try someone else next time cortez also looked good today cortez looked really good today and then came out in a big inning when they which was madness (laughs) madness why they brought him out after they tied the game and it worked and then they bring in holder with arrested britain arrested uh otto and canely all they could all have pitched and they didn't I was surprised to go to any of those guys. So when I saw it. him, when I saw him come back out, I was like, "Oh, okay, getting greedy here." This guy, I mean, he looked good against the the Royals. They they really they, he was mixing it up quite a bit, and they were not getting any good contact off of him. So why not throw him out there again? I'm fine bringing him back out. Like that that wasn't the problem for me. I was not fine with it. But then he got but then he got two strikes because I'm not looking at names. I'm looking at what they're doing. I don't I don't even look at names anymore because it doesn't matter because everybody's playing well. So. When you when you're out there, um, and you get the first two guys, you're like, okay, here we go, still fooling guys, still going. Uh, then there's a single. You're like, okay, let's give him one more one more at bat. No another single. Up. Like, no one okay, was up. <laughs> this is when I'm having someone warm, ready to go. So first sign oh, of trouble. Warm already. Yeah. Oh no, absolutely. First sign of trouble, ready to go. Uh, but that was not the case. But he did get out of it. So. He got out of it. Yeah. And Holder, let's be. Let's be real. It should not have given up the game there. It was a bad hop. It was a bad hop. It was a bad hop. I mean, it was a it was a terrible hop. Gio Rochello almost got his head knocked off because the uh, the ball popped up, and um, it was just an unfortunate bounce. You know what are you gonna do about that? Yeah. That's baseball, Susan. You move on. They you gotta love the you love the fight. You love the comeback that they made because you know, especially with Aaron Hicks doing it. Like I love seeing Aaron Hicks locked in, and uh, you know, just a just a, a rip single going the other way and scoring too. It was it was a great ninth inning. They fought back from a really, really bad Herman start, worst of the season. He gave up four bombs, yeah. four home runs. Right. A lot of mislocations. The the big through run homer was uh to it was to Maldonado hanging curveball in the middle of the plate. Yeah, that was the first one. Yeah, first one. Yeah. That was I mean that was a meatball. He and then, you know, he he let up a a couple more back to back that you could tell were just a frustrate. It was like a Sunny Gray special. You know, the the next pitch is gone. But we sort of started to see that last start out against Baltimore where he pitched 5 innings, didn't look great, but it was a blowout win, so they got him out of the game in a relatively early manner. Now today 5 innings, 9 hits, 7 runs, 4 homers allowed. Is he starting to run out of gas? Are we starting to see a little bit of a regression? Is this just a guy in his first really major league action having to now figure something out as he goes. I think there's a you know a potential of all of the above. All I mean, this, of the above, yeah, yeah, because you know it's a guy that that needed to take that next step and getting deeper into games. We're we're seeing that he's going to be throwing more. He's throwing more consistently in the major leagues than he ever has uh, from the same position. I mean, he's 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 coming in relief in the past, but now he has a starting pitcher in a major role on this team. So he's got. You know, a little bit of weight on his shoulders, especially now too, with uh, you know, with CC down, with Paxton down, like they're relying on him. So I think when you when you're coming out and and he's not as sharp on certain days, he's got to deal with that and he's got to learn to deal with that. So yeah, there's a potential for all of the above. I mean, you can't expect a guy to 
just have it every single day. You know, now what we want to see is how he bounces back from this. I think that's going to be the next telling thing on the uh, the Ding- Domingo Herman uh, progression as as a, as a major league pitcher. And, and I think we've seen so much of it, and he's made good adjustments. So, you know, unless there is uh, there is some kind of a fatigue thing or, or some kind of a tiredness or uh, a mechanical issue, you expect him to uh, to make an adjustment and and fight back. And he's, I think, in line to pitch the Friday night game we're at. Perfect. Right? That's, That's five, good. Five days. Is it? Yeah, I haven't done the math. It's a lot of math to do. Monday, in my head Tuesday, right Wednesday, now. Thursday, Friday. Sweet. I would love to see Herman that day. That'd be great. So I think with the rotation how it is with Sabathia yeah. and then Herman possibly starting to hit a little bit of a speed bump, it, it's key. They need to start getting guys back and healthy in that rotation. And I know that the um, we actually have a mailbag question about some if the Yankees could trade for for somebody, but we're almost at the the MLB draft, so it'll be really interesting to see if they pounce on Keuchel right after the draft. Yeah, it will be. It'll be interesting to see what happens and and what he's going to get because it seems like he's going to sign after that draft, no matter what. You know, with whatever team he's going to be going to, and how I- soon will he be ready after that draft? Again, like I, I don't expect him to be long uh, because he's keeping healthy. Same with Gio. He's, he, he'll be ready soon. So the, the I think that's a non-issue. The, the fact is, is that there's going to be – there's potentially going to be a bidding war for him at this point, the way the way it is. And and I don't know – you know, I think it's going to be a shorter contract, um, but he's probably going to get probably close to the AAV he wants. It'll just be – you know, maybe, maybe his AAV is going up because it's going to be potentially a one-year deal. You know, yeah. or, or just the rest of the season, but it's and they will prorate it. Yeah, yeah. So it'll be interesting to see what that looks like, and um, and yeah, I, I guess everybody's kind of waiting to after the draft at this point. Why, why, why not? No one else is pouncing in there. It'll be it'll be interesting though because I think it, what he does too will also dictate. We may see some early trades. Um, we kind of saw some last year that that came a little earlier uh, than than normal for the trade deadline. But the fact that there are two guys out there on the free agent market with Kimbrel and Keuchel that are relatively top level I mean Kimbrel for sure top level pitching additions to a team you may see some uh, some some shifting around with trades as well to compete with those free agents competing and also teams can use them as bargaining and leverage chips right because instead of being held to the fire for by teams that are selling off pieces the the other team on the other side can say hey oh, I don't need, I don't need this trade for you for your guy I don't need to give up assets for you I can just go out and sign someone so yeah It'll, it's a different dynamic than we've had in the past with these with two big names on the free agent market ready to join a team. And it, and if they do and it succeeds, I wonder if we see more of it in the future. Yeah, usually trends that work out will uh, will will repeat themselves. The uh, the the voyeur, right? The no, what's is that the, the term? The voyeur. I don't know what the term is, but I can tell you that if if Keiko walks in and gets a evaluation of seventeen or higher for the rest of the season prorated, then you're going to see some of these guys um, potentially well, that's what doing he that. If they're down not from the Astros. Well, I mean, that was a full 17. So yeah, there's still money left on the table, but that's why if he goes up in, in AAV, you know, for the, for the total contract and then you prorate it, it'll just be interesting to see because uh, it, it's going to be a bargaining chip for, chip for them as well. But, but guys that are, are not getting the money that they want, and and they know that this is you know going to be a potential, and you can kind of see who's going to be good, you know, year in and year out, more or less, to see you know maybe maybe uh, this guy or this team will will need a starting pitcher at some point. So, 
I uh, I tweeted out a poll uh, from at Yankees podcast this week after Urshela got a big two out RBI single, and I said if you had to pick one guy with two outs and runners in scoring position on the Yankees, Gio Urshela or DJ LeMahieu, who would you pick? And twenty five hundred people voted fifty seven percent for LeMahieu. But for a while, I want to say for the first 1,000 or 1,200 votes, that thing was neck and neck, 50-50. And it was probably because Urshela had just come through with a hit. But these are the two guys. I mean, you could say that every day. These are the two guys. When you look up their stats, so entering Sunday, Urshela with runners in scoring position in 37 plate appearances, 412 batting average. And you want a little brain buster, Scott? Here's a little baseball nerdy stat for you. He has a 412 batting average and a 405 on base percentage in those situations. That's crazy. Do you understand that? I understand that he gets on base a lot, and a lot of it is because he's doing it f- with a uh, a hit. But it's less. What is, it's less? So <laughs> the on base percentage is lower than his batting average. Yeah. Okay. Do you know so why? Because he is not taking very many walks. He has two sacrifice flies, <laughs> and sacrifice flies uh, negatively Im- negatively impact your on base percentage, but do not impact your batting average. Mm. So it's just one of those weird baseball stat things. And then he's hitting 500 with two outs and runners in scoring position. Lemayhu 50 plate appearances with runners in scoring position, 439 batting average, 469 on base percentage, 19 RBIs. And then with two outs in those situations, 400 batting average. Like the, all of these numbers are insane. Like when you see a four or a five in a batting, it's just insane that they're coming through at this rate. And they both came through again today. We're recording on Sunday um, in the ninth inning. Both of them got hits. They both got on and set the table for Aaron Hicks to uh, to tie the game with a with a big hit. So didn't didn't let it down. Uh, didn't let down one one bit. So who who would you take of the two? I I voted in my own poll and I voted for Lemayhu. Okay, I mean I would definitely take Lemayhu. Yeah, Urshela's been fantastic, but I still when I watch Urshela up there, every time he gets a hit with runners in scoring position, I'm still slightly surprised. I'm like, oh, okay, he's still doing it. He's still doing the damn thing, Gio Urshela. When LeMahieu gets a hit, and I'm like, yeah, I knew LeMahieu was going to get a hit. LeMahieu just gives it to you every time. Urshela, you're just like, yeah, you're in amazement still. Uh, As far as as two outs with runners in scoring position, though, 500 versus 400. Yeah. Uh, Although more more plate appearances for LeMahieu in those situations. LeMahieu is just the the consummate pro. The at-bat quality for both of them in those clutch spots are, are just of the highest level. And today with Urshela's hit, I mean, LeMahieu was a no-doubter, um, just ripped a single. But Urshela, it was a hell of a piece of hitting and, you know, snuck it past the second baseman. It's just a good piece of hitting, man. It's just the, the guy is, is has turned into a uh, a disciplined batter who can cover the entire plate and, and, and hit some bad balls, too. I mean, we've, we're seeing him, you know, hit, go out of the strike zone and hit balls for, uh, f- you know, that find, that find some green. So he just continues to move. Impress and amaze. You excited for this San Diego Padres, the uh, the whale's vagina? I can't say that I'm excited for like the <laughs> Padres specifically. Um, I, I'm interleague be, play. Interleague play doesn't get you a little juiced up. Still, the, maybe maybe in the nineties. The whole uh, yeah, in the nineties it was cool because that well it never happened. So you see them and there was no MLB TV and everything where you could just flip on a Padres game if you really wanted to watch a Manny Machado at bat. I mean, growing up. I thought I still like this. I still like the fact that um, when back in the day, 
when you meet in the World Series, it's the first time you see each other. I think that's awesome. See, I never, I wasn't old enough to actually witness that. Yeah, by the time I did, and it was, was fun. really old enough to watch baseball. Interleague. I don't remember what year instituted. they, uh, what year did they start that? Wasn't interleague play. play after the strike? So ninety four. I'm talking out of my ass. I think so. Uh, the strike was um, the the strike was definitely ninety four into yeah. ninety five. Right. And I think interleague play started after that. That was one of the things that they came back after, or maybe it was after expansion. So after expansion, so early nineties. I think when they expanded, that's when the when Marlins and started. and the uh, the Tampa Bay Devil Rays. No, I think it was when the Rockies came in, and then when the Brewers moved to the NL. Right. Anyway. All right. It was better. <laughs> There's people yelling at us at home. So we could each look this up right now. If we could, I'm way too. But it's Memorial Day weekend, and it's been it's it's been a long. I mean, we're lucky that we're standing right now, actually recording this with the amount of things that have happened this weekend. So yeah. But no, as, as like as, as as far as the Padres specifically, the um the man the Manny Machado circus is coming into town. That's what we're gonna expect, right? Mm-hmm. Thank God Gio Urshela exists because can you imagine? Yes. Then what would be happening right now? As the Padres, the the um, San Diego Padres are coming into town with Andujar hurt, mm-hmm. and us playing. If they had Tyler been, Wade at third base, right? If they're scrapping for a third baseman and and Andujar is hurt, it would have been a shit show, right? So uh, I'm very grateful for Gio Urshela, specifically for that reason. Urshela should get an extended roll call, an extended applause this yeah. week. He should, and you know, I, I I wondered leading up to this series if there was any added pressure on him. You know, just knowing that Machado was coming in with the whole circus around it. But I really don't think so because, you know, when Andujar went down for the surgery and, and he ended up, you know, getting the surgery, it was. Gio Urshela was never part of that whole mix. It didn't, he didn't, it didn't even exist in this conversation. So he's just the new guy that showed up and started dominating. And like, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't care about the old names. Interleague play started in 1997. Okay. We weren't far uh, off. The Padres are having an okay year. They're second in their division, three games over 500, but they have a minus 10 run differential. Um, I think it's interesting, and I actually kind of talked about this with uh, Robert Flores, Roflo, um, this uh, on the episode tomorrow, but they scratched Paddock, who's their best pitcher, young pitcher. He's been compared to Roger Clemens in certain uh, instances. He was supposed to start Sunday against Toronto. They moved him to Wednesday against the Yankees. I think that's a. I think that's telling for what the Padres are expecting out of this series, expecting out of Paddock in the long run. Um, you move your young stud to the bright lights of Yankee Stadium. I think that's telling. And Wednesday is a national game, right? I assume it is the it's MLB Network. It's an afternoon game, but MLB Network because their show is covering it live right. from the stadium, so it's definitely a big spotlight. So they're moving him into the spotlight. The San Diego Padres have an opportunity now to, to um, show their, their best players on the national stage against the New York Yankees, and now they're putting their young gun up against this team. So, yeah, I mean, it makes sense. Uh, it, that, that definitely came from the top down. They're like, we want our best guy, our best young guy, uh, you know, the guy that they're, they're comparing to this, another hoss from Texas, like Nathan Avaldi, you know, and, and Roger Clemens, and... Um, Nolan, Nolan Ryan, all these these guys that are uh, that are coming from, you know, eating eating lots of beef in Texas. They want we want him on the national stage to go against the New York Yankees. So uh, it makes a lot of sense. And who do you think catches Tanaka on Tuesday? It's a it's a night game. Tanaka mm-hmm. Tuesday will be a night game after a day game. 
after a day game on Monday because it's Memorial Day. Mm-hmm. So um, it's no, we're not going to get a, night, a day game after a night game situation is actually flipped reverse. And I could actually see Romine catching tomorrow because Monday, as you're speaking Monday, Romine catching because they, the Yankees played a day game Sanchez caught and then they're flying and then it's a quick turnaround with a day game. So I think if if Gary Sanchez does not catch Tanaka on Tuesday, I think we have a, a personal catcher situation on our hands, and you people can look forward to me ranting on on Thursday's episode. How can we? I, I just don't even understand how you would how you could like have a personal catcher at this point with with three starting pitchers. <laughs> Seriously, how does this even work? All I know is that'll be three starts in a row, and they've gotten they've had the ex machina. Uh, excuse, right? It's just day game after a night game, ex machina. They could just write it off. That's the reason. But now I think if it, if it t- happens on Tuesday again, we got ourselves a situation, people. Tanaka's been really good over his last five starts, too. And watch him go out and get crushed. And then, then we definitely have a personal catcher situation. So I think that there's not going to be a personal catcher situation because I think the scenario that you just laid out is probably very likely. I With could the see- Romine catching Monday? Yes, I could see them um, catching Romine on Monday because of the travel, because of uh, the day game today. And, you know, the fact that they, I mean, look, they they need Gary Sanchez and um, Tanaka to get work together as well. I mean, like they, that has to happen because it's going to happen during the season, especially now. It, there was a conversation at one point, right, when when we're talking about Gary Sanchez and, and there's a personal catcher situation, and but we have to have Gary Sanchez bat in the lineup. Well, last year, Gary Sanchez wasn't hitting the ball as well. And if you're talking about a personal catcher situation, Romine's coming in and, you know, all the Romanites are, 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 are applauding because he's actually doing better than he had offensively. I mean, he's having, having this this quote breakout year offensively and he's an offensive juggernaut. So are we losing the bat? Like there were, there were those people talking about that, but now, I mean, there's, there's, I mean, Gary Sanchez is back healthy offenses, you know, flowing from his, uh, from every orifice of his body. He's just crushing the ball. Except in the ninth inning on Sunday. So you need, uh, you need him, you need him there. You need him behind the plate. Uh, we have a couple of mailbag questions. I first want to talk because we were just talking about Machado and the Padres. So this is from a few weeks back. I saw Brian Hoke tweet that the Yankee Stadium blooper video that they do in between innings had a video of Manny Machado running away with a $300 million check. I have not seen this video. I've not seen footage. I've seen the of- video. You've seen the video. I've seen the video because I've, I didn't see it uh, at the game, but I've seen it because he was do- he's been doing this like feud with their mascot. It's been like a thing. Okay. So, so you I, don't think this is a troll on the Yankees part? So here's the thing. Like, w- was that video, I mean, did they play that alone or was it in a reel of bloopers? All I know, it was, it was in the reel of bloopers is, so, is what, I'm, was what I saw. So I think some of those are put out by Major League Baseball, by MBAM. They, they and will, not Yankees or Yankee right. Stadium. So I okay. think some of, I think so MBAM. takes away some of the juice from it. Yeah. I mean, I know you want the juice. I don't know. I'm sorry. I want the I'm sorry. juice. I know you want the juice. I know you want the juice. I'm not trying to take away your juice. Can we play this like the Yankees are trolling Machado? There's a possibility that the Yankees are tr- are trolling Manny Machado because yes. now they have Gio Urshela yes. starting, having better numbers, playing defensively like Manny Machado. Maybe better. Who knows? I don't know what the defensive metrics look like compared. Does we should, Manny we Machado them. catch that bad hopper today? Not a chance. Might hit him in the head. The fact that Gio got out of the way of that ball, miracle. But 
it, is Machado a little bit taller than Urshela, so maybe it hits him in the head and it stays in the infield? And then I the, don't think he's Yankees. that. He's a little bigger, but I don't think he's that much bigger. Yeah, we need to for the next for for Thursday's episode. We absolutely need to um, we need to go line by line and see what Gio Urshela is beating Manny Machado in. And I think we're all going to be very surprised. This could be a lot of numbers that he's going to be uh, exceeding Machado in. Machado's having an okay year. He's hitting 267 with a 350 on base percentage, nine home runs, 116 OPS plus, and a 1.4 war. Okay. You're not, I mean, it's no, not. It doesn't sound like not, anything I would pay. You it, know, I, I it, would pay. I wouldn't give that a 10 year contract. It's not $300 million plus, <laughs> but when you look at Urshela, 333 batting average. Uh, oh, one batting th- average. Here we go. Let's use it. Uh, uh, it works. It, it plays. Let's three, use it. Run it. 387 on base percentage. There's another win column. 126 OPS plus. That's a 10 point increase over Manny Machado. Fewer home runs, fewer RBIs, uh, and a lower WAR. Point seven. Also, also fewer at bats. I, I have to assume. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, Machado's. They've both been pretty much everyday players, though. Yeah, but Urshela had a a little bit of a... um, He wasn't playing every day from the beginning of the season. Another tidbit from inside the Yankee Empire, which I finished. um, Towards the end, they sort of did a a post with us. They did a sit-down with Brian Cashman about two weeks after the season ended. And one of the topics was Machado and Harper. And they were very cryptic about Cashman's opinion on Machado and Harper... They just said uh, that um, he, they. One of the quotes was, "I don't like his antics," but they wouldn't say who he was talking about. I bet he's talking about Bryce Harper. Okay, because I don't think I don't think Machado has antics. But this was during the World Series that they were talking to him, so it was I don't think it matters. I don't think that matters. I, I think that Ant, uh, Bryce Harper's antics are well known. I think he's a little bitch, a little crybaby. <laughs> That's what I think. I mean, yeah, the guy can hit the ball a mile, and he's fun to watch. Um, he's not having a great season. I mean, they're definitely not. I think they they're disappointed into so far what he's done. But I'd probably say both are both are disappointed so far in the production. It's going to be very difficult to live up to that money. In all honesty, so there's there's always going to be that that. Once you sign, see that that's cloud the thing. Once over you, you sign that kind of money, it's sort of MVP level production or bust. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. But Bryce Harper's had antics. I mean, the the Machado situation that they're talking about, where you know whether it's um him talking about the Johnny Hustle thing or the weird thing at first base. I I, I don't think people buy into that as as him having antics. I, I don't think people in baseball buy into it. Yeah. Um. We have uh, one mailbag question that I want to talk about. If you guys want to submit mailbag questions, go to bronxpinstripes.com slash podcast. You can also tweet us at Yankees Podcast on Twitter or at Bronx Pinstripes at Twitter. We have not plugged our personal Twitter handles in quite some time, Scott, so why don't you go ahead and plug yours? Uh, mine is my first and last name, Scott Reinen, at Scott Reinen, R-E-I-N-E-N. And mine is my name with an underscore in the middle of it. Because There you go, because he can't trust you. <laughs> because I... Uh, Changed my Twitter handle about three years in after using it, and there was already another Andrew Rotondi who's tweeted like twenty-seven times. Have you tried like, to get it from him? I've tried. I've tweeted him like four times. I'm like, hey, hey, man, you want to trade? Maybe you need to find you need to find him on a, three on a of his. I think media. three of his like thirty tweets are to me just being like, nah, man. Oh, oh, he's responded. Yeah, Uh-oh. he's like, nah, I'm good. <laughs> so uh, you need to put up a you need to put up a little yeah. a little something. Andrew underscore Rotondi on Twitter if you want to submit mailbag questions or join the Facebook group. 
the Bronx Pinstripe Show in Facebook. A lot of good Yankees talk going on in there. One question is from Scott, not you, a different Scott. He says, do we think the rule changes made before the season have made an impact? So the 2019 rule changes were, we know the DL is now the IL. There's now five mound visits instead of six. I don't think that's really made an impact. I can't. I know the Rays ran out of, um, didn't the Rays run out of them one game against the Yankees? I don't recall. I, I, I really, on. I haven't heard much about it as far as, um, I don't remember it being a problem. In any game. And because it's not, it f- sort of flew under the radar. It wouldn't surprise me if we go down to four next year. But the thing is, so this was one of those, we were talking, this was, uh, I guess, last year when we had him on. But Scott Braun, uh, also an MLB network guy, I, 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 did the, uh, I had the conversation with him when we talked last year. And one of his big things is he's like, he, and I, I, I agree to him to an extent, like the, um, the rules for the catchers, the mound visits, we're not going to feel that as much during the regular season. Where we will feel it more, and it didn't really play out that way in the playoffs, but I could see it being more of an issue in the playoffs when Definitely. there's a lot more on the line on, on every situation, and now they have to start counting these visits, and they're not able to go out there as many times. Um, there's going to be different situations. That, that's when I think we could feel it more. And I think it's also plays mind games too. It's like if a catcher, if they're reserving mound visits. And they could go out and talk to him, but they don't. And that could be in the back of the mind of the pitcher, and they could be second guessing themselves. Yeah, I, I think there's also I think there's also like ways around this too. I think in the middle of an inning, um, you know, when they're on the bench, or they could game plan this ahead of time, where there there could be a cue where you know you want to slow somebody down and go talk to them. The third baseman could walk over, say a couple words, slow the pace down, something like that. Like I think there's probably other ways for them to do what they need to do for for visits that aren't essential because how many times have we seen a mound visit just to slow something down just yeah. to like let's take a breather for a minute or um you know you have a a pitching coach pop out well now uh, it seems a, like a lot of pitcher. the a lot of the mound visits they're strictly for signs right and a lot of times it's with a, a guy on second base and before when there were no limits on him it was just to kill time or, or settle or do a yeah that's reset. what i'm saying and, and you can still do that it just doesn't need to be the catcher i mean literally a third baseman can walk in and you know, do the glove over the face thing, just give him an extra that breather. That counts as a mound visit. The third baseman? No, it doesn't. I believe no one can visit the mound. Yeah, I know, Anybody but he can step off the mound. He can he can step off of the off of the the mound, and they can they can have a uh, a discussion. That, that's not a mound visit. Okay, I'm gonna look this up, but I don't think it is. It shouldn't. You be. You look that up as I'm talking about. I don't the even other know ones. how the hell I'm gonna look this up. There, uh, just I got it. I got it. <laughs> Inning breaks have been supposedly shortened. Um, so the, the actual letter of the law says, subject to discussions with broadcast partners, inning breaks will be reduced from 2.05 to 2 minutes in local games and from 2 minutes 25 to 2 minutes in, nationally ga- in national games. So supposedly the inning breaks have been shortened, which would overall reduce the time. I still don't think there's been much reduction in overall time of games, so haven't really felt the impact there. And then this next and final rule, we won't really notice until later in the season, and that's that there's only one trade deadline now. The waiver trade period is eliminated. It's just July 31st trade deadline. I think that's a big deal. I think that's going to, and I think that's going to play into what we saw with the, um, or what we're seeing now with the free agents too left on. I think this, this whole free agent, or I'm sorry, this whole trade deadline um, this year in 2019 is going to feel different, I think, than, than we have seen it in years past because we're not going to see those waiver moves. We're not going to see the, uh, you know, we're going to see the Justin Verlander, like 
minute yeah. uh last minute on midnight on in on the august deadline yeah no it's dumb it's it's a it's a it's a it's it's a ridiculous. I'm glad that they did this. This, this I think this needs to happen. I think that they need to impose a uh, a deadline in the off season. It's kind of confusing too, I right? Think it's going to come too. It was confusing. There's a trade deadline, but you can acquire players after the trade deadline. Like what? Are you, what are we doing here? Yeah, you just got to do it under, under stupid MLB loophole rules. Yeah. So yeah, absolutely. There's there's definitely. Um, I, I think it's a good. That's a good adjustment to the, to the game. Again, like I said, I think they're going to do it in the offseason too, just to make sure that they can move things along and that there's they want to avoid. They don't want Dallas Keuchel and Craig Kimbrell to be sitting on the sidelines right now. They want those guys to be out with a team playing baseball. That MLB right. doesn't doesn't win when those yeah, guys are black, sitting on the uh, on the couch. That's a black mark on baseball. If absolutely. Kimbrell and and Keuchel don't play baseball this year. And I think that if you have a deadline in you know the beginning of January at some point or middle of January, that you probably see both of those guys sign, because nobody's rolling the dice, nobody can wait it out. Uh, there's not a you know as much of a you know a, a game of chicken happening at that point. I, so I, I think that you see a lot less of that nonsense and guys uh, guys getting signed. So you get anything on the mound visits? I'm still reading. I'm seeing catchers and pitcher, catcher pitcher, catcher pitcher. I'm not seeing anything about a third baseman. All right, so 2020, we're going to get a few more rules. Uh, there's going to be active roster pr- provision, so you have to designate if a guy is a pitcher or a position player. Obviously, there's a loophole in if there's a blowout game or extra innings that you can still use a pitcher to pitch. Um, go ahead. If a player leaves his position to discuss strategy with a pitcher after an offensive substitution, it is not count as a mound visit the rules also allow a visit if the umpire determines the pitcher has misunderstood the catcher's signs so there's a lot of loopholes with this bullshit too um okay yeah so i I don't i haven't we haven't seen that one yet where it's like oh that wasn't real a mound visit we're misinterpreting like how many fingers did you hold up i you don't have the you don't have the white out on the fingernails you know posada used to do the white out on the fingernails but let me ask you a question how many times are we noticing that 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 never i've never noticed that no but i mean even if it did happen and the um the mound visit number stayed at two that or stayed at three left or whatever the hell it would be difference we would never have even noticed it and i guarantee the broadcast wouldn't have noticed it either yeah I don't know. You got to be really looking for that. It's uh, and you, we're all trained not to even know notice that number at this point. I just think there's if MLB is really concerned about pace of play, these little minute like minute details with mound visits and all this five seconds being shaved off, inning, like that's not going to do it. There's going to be bigger changes than these sorts of things to really speed up the games. Well, I think the biggest thing, like we were, I think that when we we talked about this, I'm, I'm trying to remember when we did this. Maybe it was in the off season this year. Um, or last year before they brought these up. But the time in between the innings is one of the big areas where they can shave time off of the bottom line. Five seconds it, doesn't do jack shit. No, give I me, know that. Give me but, a minute off. But that's where it is. But you could you could shave time off there yeah. and then Eight, show, show 18 ads. 18 minutes. Right? You, if you take a minute off in each inning break, 18 minutes. 18 minutes is a significant amount of time. Absolutely. So if you do, if you come back after a minute the of The national games, though, the national games, there was more than a five second. There was a pretty significant time. 25 seconds. <clears throat> okay. Now we're, we're, we're starting to get somewhere. But it's still two minutes. No, it's still two minutes. But the thing is, is they can they can now supplement these ads with on-screen graphics. I'd they're be doing totally it already. totally cool with that. Yeah. As the guy is warming up and or whatever. Like, yeah. I, I, there's between, there's ways to do it. Still. As the guy is walking up from the uh, all these um, downtimes in the games, where after a batter gets out, and then the next guy is walking up, adjusting his batting gloves. There's ten seconds you can filter in an ad. Why don't they sell the the uh, the ad spots for for every single 
replay. It's like, like when uh, these when these jackasses are going in there, it's now it's the Charles Schwab replay booth. <laughs> you know, well, they already do that kind of stuff. They do it in football. They don't really do. They don't do it in baseball. Um, you you remember the movie Spaceballs? Do I remember the movie Spaceballs? You know how they made the I joke can recite about the movie Spaceballs. The Spaceballs merchandise. Merchandising. Merchandising. Spaceballs the flame merchandise. It just merchandise everything. Yeah. No. Yeah. I I could recite that movie. Um. Active ro- roster provisions, as I said, the 40-man rosters in September are being eliminated. Three batter minimum rule for pitchers. This is going to be the big doozy next year. Yeah. And the IL is going to go back up to 15 days from 10 days. But that three batter minimum, I think, is going to be very, very noticeable. Um, I think the 15-day and the 10-day is, is, is significant. I mean, it's, it's right, literally 50% of the, of the time that you CC. can... CC in this situation said, I'm only going to miss one start. It's just 10 days. I'll be back. But now it would have to be two starts if he goes and gets his knee drained. I know he's not going to be playing next year, but if that sort of thing happens. Right. Yeah, no, I think that's a that's definitely one. It's, so it's easier to manipulate it as well by um, And I know, think that's what they found when they moved it to 10 days. They yeah. found teams sort of fudging the system. But, I mean, if, if I'm remembering correctly, the the one of the big reasons why they went to this 10-day. It wasn't day, concussions. It was because they still had a seven-day concussion DL. Did they not... Is, is that still does the seven day? They got rid of that when they right, went so they to merged the 10, it to ten day. They merged yeah. it to ten. Right. So I think that but was part I of the big reason. I wonder if we're going to get the seven day concussion back when That's we possible. get the fifteen day. That's possible. Which is fine. I, I mean, I, I don't want someone trying to play through a concussion. That's asinine. No, I think that's the reason why they went to 10, though, was because they had that 7, and they're like, oh, let's just Well, you in the give here. teams an inch, and they're going to take a mile. It'll happen every time with anything. They're going to try to find an advantage. Yeah. But no, I got no problems with that. I think the so they, they they sort of did a soft launch on these rules in 2019 before the hard launch of 2020. Yeah, no the um the the three batters is the big thing. That's going to be a huge difference. in September call ups being eliminated. Yeah, but the the three batters, it I guess it feels more than it than it is because I know we've um, we've looked at the numbers in the past. Yeah, and, and it doesn't that affect. Many I mean, a lot of pitchers don't pitch one or two batters but i think but they're, they're also they can end the they can end the inning right they can, they end can the half still inning. end the inning yes so there's um there's that so it, that's it'll a, feel I'm different cool, i'm cool with that yeah uh but like the rays are constantly making pitching changes in the middle of innings so those will be reduced the yankees have a bunch of one inning guys it's not going to affect the yankees much it's going to f- affect more other teams that the yankees are playing the Yankees have have very um, specific. <laughs> well, uh, who knows? With Boone, I mean, maybe these one inning guys are two inning guys. You know, maybe maybe he feels really good about. Maybe some nerd is telling him that that the uh, the fastball was moving at a, uh, at a at a significant velocity with the uh, spin rate. So then we're going to keep him in for another inning because I think it will play over the next over the next three batters. It's a good nerd voice, Scott. Thanks. Um, All right, that's going to do it for this episode. Like I said, special episode on Tuesday as you guys are heading back to work from the long weekend. Check it out with Robert Flores. It was a lot of fun to talk to him uh, and check out his show on uh, MLB Central's 10 a.m. Wednesday live from the stadium. Scott, any last words? If David Hill is starting the game on Monday against the San Diego Padres, I think he should buzz Manny Machado. First at bat. Because First if, we step lose, if we lose David Hale to suspension, who gives a rat's who really cares? <laughs> let's throw up and in. Let's get this thing going. You want right. You want to? You want to bring on the circus? Let's bring on the. Let's bring on the circus, baby. Those are some. Those are some hell of a last words. God, I love it. We'll talk to you guys later. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. 
Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees.